The Holy Gospel according to St. John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. So Jesus talks about being pruned. What does it mean to be pruned? You know, I think if there's any time to feel like we are being pruned, it is now. In our lives, in our country, in the world. There's another devastating earthquake, this time in Nepal. There are riots breaking out in Baltimore, upheaval in the political world. And then there are those personal difficulties that we all face, that we all experience in our home or at work. Maybe it's illness in your family, the death of a loved one, or conflict at your job or in your home. And that's the thing. At any given moment, even when things are going well, there are still so many difficulties to which contend us in this life. And it often feels like we are being pruned. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it feels like we are just being cut down. Cut down by life's tragedies, great or small. Cut down by disappointment or despair. Cut down by illness or job loss or other circumstances beyond our control. And there we lie on the ground as we wither and die. Jesus is teaching his disciples about abiding in him. About living with him on the eve of his crucifixion. He knows what is going to happen both to himself as well as his disciples. Jesus knows that they are going to be cut down by his crucifixion and death. And he's assuring them that even though he will not be with them physically, they will survive, even thrive. So in the last month, I have presided over four funerals. And yesterday, I attended a funeral of a very good friend. I have seen and experienced the devastation at a life taken away from us, and sometimes too early. I've seen and felt that hurt and that pain of loving someone so much that it's impossible to think that you were no longer going to see them again. I believe this is how the disciples are feeling when Jesus is talking about abiding in him. They know that something is going on. Jesus is telling them that he is no longer going to be with them. And they are hurt. And they are scared. And they are worried about their future. 
But what they will soon find out is that life comes out of death. That death does not have the final word. That even though they feel like they are being pruned, they are being cut off from the rest of the world, they are not being taken away from the source of life. What they don't realize is that something even better, even better than they could possibly imagine, is on the horizon. And this is hard for them to believe, just like I think it's hard for us to believe. We are so often settled in a river of tears when life's tragedies come our way. We can't possibly see the hope or the promise of new life given to us by God. We have so many doubts and we have so many fears and we have no idea how we are going to produce good fruit. But ultimately, that uncertainty, that distress, it may go away in the promises that Jesus makes to us. Jesus promises that he will not abandon us. Instead, Jesus will cling to us as the vine clings to the tree so that we can endure, so that we can preserve, even flourish among the difficulties of our life. You know, Jesus doesn't say, abide in me, and if you don't, well, then we're going to have some problems. We're going to have some issues here. Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. This is a promise that no matter what happens, Jesus is going to be there with us. That no matter what happens, Jesus is going to hold on to us. That no matter what happens, God and Jesus will bring good in the end. We have a promise that no matter what happens, God is with us. And that nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, so many times we tend to push God away. We push other people away when bad things happen in our life. When we experience the death of a loved one or we experience some kind of sickness in our lives or we, when we become too overwhelmed, too stressed by the dysfunction that happens in our world. We have the promise from God that God is always going to be with us, that God is going to lead us and guide us. And this, this promise was given to the disciples even before Jesus died. Jesus told them, as they abide in him, he will abide in them. And Jesus tells them this, and God does this because God loves us. But it's not only our connection with God that's important. It's our connection with each other as well. It's not just us and Jesus. It's us and our community that we belong to. The abide in me that Jesus invites us to is, is, is a promise in connecting with us to help us bear fruit in the world. The branches live in community with each other. No one has ever had a, a great fruitful tree with just one branch. You are all the branches, Jesus tells us. We can't sustain our connection with God without also feeding our connections with each other. So we gather together and we have this opportunity each and every week on a Sunday morning, but we also get, have opportunities to gather beyond Sunday mornings. Formally at, at Bible studies and at fellowship events, but also informally at, at people's houses or other places in the community. 
together. We are one body of Christ connected with each other. We are the hands and feet of God in this world. And as we continue to work at finding what it means to be the church in the world today, you know, we are going to try new things and we are going to succeed and we are going to fail. But one of the things that we've been trying is really to connect with one another, which is why I have loved our fellowship experiences. You know, when the idea came up to get rid of our coffee hour and have a weekly time when we gather together as the entire community of Faith Lutheran Church to build up our relationships with one another, to connect with one another, to connect with those people who are not here and to connect with our community, you know, some people thought I was crazy. You know, what do you mean not have coffee hour? We're Lutherans. We need coffee. But things have been wonderful. We continue to experiment and try new things. You know, May 17th, we're going to have this throwback Sunday when we will remember some of our older liturgies and we will honor our owls, our older, wiser Lutherans. This Sunday, we are going to have two worship experiences at Monument Park. We are expanding our community garden. We are doing more work in in health and wellness through two grants that we have received. This fall, we're looking at hosting a a meatball cook-off event where, where cooking classes open to the community, going to Camp Calumet, having a lost and found concert. We are a busy, active church. And when I have people asking me, so what's going on at Faith Lutheran Church in Gardner? You know, people from the Synod. They ask, and I tell them, we're busy. And I said, all the activities we're doing right now, it's like throwing a big bowl of pasta against the wall and seeing, seeing what sticks. Which means we are trying new things. We are experimenting. And what works best for our congregation, what sticks against the wall, will continue and do into the future. And in the context of today's gospel, what we are doing as a congregation, as a faith community, is learning how to abide in Christ. We are learning how to listen to God, listen to God's calling, and do this work together. And as we remain faithful to that calling, as we remain faithful to God, the fruits of the Spirit will start to show up in all areas of our church. When we prayerfully do the work that God is calling us to do, we will see the benefits of that faithfulness. And this is what God wants. This is why God came in the world. Instead of sitting up in heaven and saying to us, well, you can choose to come to me. God says, no, I am choosing to come to you. I am choosing to live with you, to be with you through Jesus. I am willing, because I love you so much, to send my one and only Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to suffer and die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. God has blessed us, which gives us the strength and the courage to be a blessing for others. Now, this doesn't mean that things are going to go right all the time. This doesn't mean that everything we try to do as a faith community is going to be successful. There are times in our lives, in our personal lives, in the church, 
when, when things are going to go wrong. There are going to be times when we feel like we are being pruned or even cut down and cast aside. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't love us anymore. That doesn't mean we don't love each other anymore. Jesus also experienced these ups and downs, the hopes and disappointments, the frailties and the faults of this world. But he did it so that we will know God's unending commitment to us. And the cross is evidence and testimony to how much God already loved us. Because God promises to be with us through all things and in all things. The resurrection is a promise that no matter how much tragedy we endure, our hardships do not have the final word. Jesus has destroyed the power of death and has given us abundant life. This is a promise given to us in our baptism. This is a promise given to us as we gather as family and friends on a Sunday morning. This is a promise given to us in the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Christ. So that every time we gather around the altar, we can taste and see the body and blood, the bread and the wine of Christ. And know that God is with us, that God loves us, and that God forgives us. This is why church is so important to me. You know, I'm asked all the time, well, why does church matter in the world today? Why should I go to church? And I answer, I go to church to be a part of a loving and supportive community. I go to church to hear the good news of God's love during a time when when I go home and I turn on the TV or listen to the radio or read the newspaper. All I hear is, is about death and destruction and conflict in the world. I go to church to remember my baptism in a real way. I go to church to gather with all the saints that have come before me, all the saints that have come after me, all the saints who are with me now around the the table, around the altar. And as I gather around the table, I remember that God is with me, that God loves me, and that God forgives me. And I go to church to try new things. You know, the world needs to hear the good news of God's love. The world needs to hear that we are blessed and beloved children of God. So we try new things to get that message out there to come into our hearts, but also the hearts of the people that we love and care about. You know, and I want to thank you for being a blessing to this congregation. Thank you for your willingness to try new things. Thank you to experiment To learn together on how to be the church in the world today. Thank you for your faithfulness to listen to the word of God. To worship together. To pray together. To commune together. And to be sent into the world together. As we respond to and share God's love with all people. Amen.